Wouldn't you love to build a business you can run from anywhere in the world, whether that be your kitchen table or a beach in Fiji? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Your Lifestyle Business, the show where I bring you into my life as a traveling entrepreneur and along with some of my awesome guests, give you tips and strategies for building your own freedom business. Welcome to the show. Let's make it happen. Hello there, how are you doing? Joe here and welcome to another episode of the Your Lifestyle Business podcast. Now today I'm very excited to continue my series on blogging um, and we're going to be talking about how to set up your money making blog. Now if you have not yet listened to last week's episode, how to make money blogging, then I do urge you to go and have a listen to that because that is actually step number one. It's really choosing your model. How are you going to monetize your blog? And it's important you choose that first because that's going to kind of determine how you run your blog. Now, let me, um, let's not get too caught up in this because you could decide, look, I want to start, I'm going to money, I'm going to monetize my blog through affiliate offers, Joe, that's what I want to do, right? But then along the way, you may then say, oh, okay, you know what, I'm going to add my own digital courses now, or I'm going to add my own products. Um, and then along the way, you may say, oh, do you know what, I'm going to add coaching. So you can totally diversify as you grow. But I really think it's a good idea to kind of start out with a, a vision of how you want to really monetize your blog in the first instances because that's really going to help you pick your niche, pick your topic and kind of make your decisions along the way. And that is because when we get to step two, which we're going to talk about now, so step one is really choosing your money-making model, all right? So go back and have a listen to last week's episode, episode 78, how to make money blogging. I go through all of the different types of money-making models um, that you can use on your website. So then step number two is to choose your topic. Now, if you have absolutely no idea what niche that you want to be in at all, you just have no clue, then I urge you to go back to episode 77 because I talk about how to choose your lifestyle business niche and I go into it in quite detail on how to decide what niche you want to be in. But if you kind of have an idea, um, then this is step number two where we kind of choose what your blog is going to be about. And there are really two routes that you can go with this. This comes back to knowing your model. The first route is the kind of the money-making route. That's it. You are building a website purely to make money. Um, and a good guy to go and follow, listen to, take his advice, actually read his site, is a guy called Adam Enfroy. That's E-N-F-R-O-Y.com, AdamEnfroy.com. Um, he kind of adopted the Pat Flynn model, which was to build a really popular blog and have lots of affiliate links and monetize his site via affiliate marketing. And he did it over about 18 months to show that it could be done today. Um, and it's his model that I'm kind of following. Mine, mine is a bit of a mixture, but it's partly his model I'm kind of following, whereby I'm building my website, I'm increasing my domain authority, I'm doing lots of guest posts, um, and I'm kind of building up my site in order to then monetize it via affiliate marketing, but I will also monetize it via lots of other ways because that's who I am. Um, and also, 
the um, the whole kind of premise of choosing a money-making niche is kind of what he bases his theory on. So he says, look, you need to be running your blog as a CEO. This is not about you getting in the way and bottlenecking your own site and doing all of the writing and all the rest of it. You want to run your site as a CEO. So you set up your blog, you're going to outsource all of the writing, you're going to outsource all of the systems, and you're going to really kind of grow your blog that way. So therefore, you don't have to be as passionate about the subject because you're not doing all of the writing. Yeah, you're outsourcing all of that. Um, so that's what I'm talking about when I say, hey, if you want to go into a purely kind of money-making niche. Now, money-making niches are all the big ones. You know, they're all the um, the health, the fitness, the online marketing, um, entrepreneurial, personal development, cooking, um, yoga, pets, you know, all those kind of really big niches. They're all your sort of money-making niches. These are niches with lots and lots of people very, very interested in that niche. And you're able to build a website around that niche and you'll be able to sell almost any kind of product, whether it be affiliate marketing or whether it be um, physical products, digital products, whatever you want to do. So, that's the kind of the first option. The second option is, do you pursue it via your passion? Um, and you're going to see lots of examples of people who have started blogs out of their passion and made great successes from things they're really, really interested in. So those are going to be sites like your Marie Forleo's and Amy Porterfield's and probably even Seth Godin. I doubt he writes every single day of the week if he doesn't, if he's not passionate about what he wants to write. Um, your Mark Manson's, James Clear, you know, all of those kind of guys, they started websites because they had a real passion around their topic and they wanted to build a platform and a voice um, and grow their business around that passionate topic. Um, and that's what mine is. Mine is your lifestyle business. I've traveled for the last 10 years. We've built businesses that fund our lifestyle and now I want to help other people do the same. So my business is really primarily around my passion. It happens that it's also in a money-making niche, which is great. So if you can have both, wouldn't that be awesome that you build something out of your passion and it's a money-making niche but that kind of depends on your personality if you take me and my husband for example he can run any niche doesn't matter he's in love with the game he's in love with the game of business I'm in love with the niche the model the 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 topic that I'm talking about makes sense so you kind of have to decide which model you want to pursue and I just want to say about the passion model as well when I talk about a money-making niche versus a passion that's not to say that your passion is not money-making of course it, you know it's going to be money-making and the beauty of the world that we live in today is that almost any niche anything is going to be money-making, provided there is a group of people, a large enough group of people interested in the same thing. And let's say you don't want to sell physical products, you don't want to sell digital products, you don't want to do affiliate marketing, you don't want to do any of that, you just want to build a website talking about the thing that you are most passionate about and that you know lots of other people feel the same way. Well, that, my friend, is building a website where you're literally just building views and readership and lots of people coming to your site and then you add advertising and you start to make your money via advertising. And I'm not talking about the one or two cents that's offered with AdSense. I'm talking about the big ad networks. When you've got 25,000, 50,000, 100,000 people coming to your site, then the big ad networks, they're the ones that are going to pay you bigger dollars, all right? Your media vines, your ad thrives, your 
etoic or whatever it's called. Anyway, so that basically means that no matter what topic you choose, there is a provided there is a readership that's going to love that topic, then you've got a route to monetizing. Okay. So once again, just a quick recap. If you have no idea what niche you want to be in at all, go back to episode 77. Listen to that first. If you're not sure of the model or how to monetize a blog, go back to episode 78. Listen to that first. If you're good to go, let's crack on. So what I want to do is I want to talk about getting to step three, which is researching your topic and making sure that there is a readership, making sure that there are people that are going to be interested in what you have to say and that you are going to be able to build traffic coming to your site, ideally organic traffic from Google and from social media. Okay, they're going to be the sort of main ways we're going to be driving traffic. Um, so I'm going to use an example of a friend of mine actually here in Phuket, Thailand. My very good friend wants to start a cooking blog and she wants to start it with her daughter, her 12-year-old daughter, who is an immense cook. I mean, she has got a career in front of her, I know, because I have tasted quite a few meals that she has cooked and she's absolutely awesome. Um, and so basically, they are thinking about starting a cooking blog. So what we did is, first of all, we sat down and said, okay, well, how are you going to monetize it? How do you think you're going to you want to want to monetize your cooking blog? And um, they basically said, okay, I want to sell recipe books um, and cookbooks, you know, and that's pretty much how I'm going to monetize it. And we may do some affiliate marketing as well for maybe Amazon products and stuff to help people with their cooking. Um, but the daughter is very keen to both grow the blog and grow like a YouTube channel to go with it. I mean, it's just fantastic. The passion they've got for the niche is great. So what they want to do is they want to specialize in Asian cooking, uh, which is handy because we're in Asia. So what I did is, first of all, I took that key phrase, Asian cooking, and I put it into Google Trends. So that's the first place I would go. Go and have a look. Take your topic and put it into Google Trends. Have a look at how it's been doing for, let's say, the last 12 months and then also for the last five years to get a real kind of overview of whether the topic that you're choosing is kind of going up stable going down and I was actually happy to see that Asian cooking had a nice steady trend for the last x number of years with a bit of a spike in the last few months which is to be expected as more people are staying at home and doing lots of cooking. Um, also in trends, it's going to show you where the trends are coming from. If you go for global, you can just go for US or UK or wherever you are. But if you go for global, it's also going to show you what are the top countries that that term or phrase is trending in. And I was very happy to see that the bulk of the interest was coming from English speaking countries because my friends are um uh, uh, Scottish in fact and of course they're going to be using the English language and so it was good to see that the bulk of interest was coming from English speaking countries. So I was happy with that. Um, also when we're thinking about our topics don't disregard your own common sense. We, we use these tools just to tell us a little bit about what's happening online but use your own common sense as well and if we think about the last 10-15 years um, Asian cooking is definitely going to be on the rise because Asia has become, travel has become more prevalent up until the last year. More people have explored the world and now more restaurants have, have opened up, you know, in different places. 
across all of the different cultures. So you've now got Thai food and Indian food and Korean food and Japanese food, teppanyaki restaurants, all that kind of stuff. So so we know that Asian food has been on the rise since more people have been traveling and they've been able to get. So your common sense needs to also come in there and say, well, okay, you know, this is, you know, this is clearly a bit of a trend. So that's fine. So have a look in Google Trends. That would be the first place I would go. Then you can take your key phrase and you want to put it into a keyword research tool to see the kind of volume of searches it gets online every month. This is because what we want to do is we want to increase organic traffic via Google and via social. So we want to know, are people searching for this on Google? If we start to write blog posts about it, are we going to get people who are going to come and visit our website? This is really important. So you want to put it into a keyword research tool. You've, of course, got the Google Planner tool. I'll put these links with the show notes. So you can just go to Google and type in the Google Keyword Planner, um, and it will bring that up, and you can type in the phrase Asian cooking or whatever your topic phrase is and just have a look generally to see what the volume is. But a tool I particularly like is called Ubersuggest. It's Neil Patel's tool. You can go in and type in your keyword for free, um, and if you want to go for the paid version, it's very reasonable compared to to lots of the other keyword research tools like Hrefs, SEMrush, Moz, etc. They're all quite expensive. And I do definitely recommend that you get those as you grow. But just when you're starting out and your budgets are small, then you want to go for tools that are either very cheap or free, right? So um, type in the key phrase for your topic into Ubersuggest and have a look and see what is the volume of searches and also what is the keyword difficulty. Now, don't I don't want to get too technical on a podcast. It's very difficult to actually tell you things versus showing you on a video. I should accompany this with a video. Um, that's a little note. I'm just a mental note I'm making to myself there. Don't get too caught up in things like keyword difficulty and stuff like that. Okay, they're a good indicator of how easy it's going to be for you to rank on page one. That's essentially what keyword difficulty is. But when I go and put a phrase into um, Ubersuggest and I put that same phrase into Hrefs, the results I get back are totally different. And it's the same with when I'm talking to one of my colleagues and he's got SEM Rush and I've got Hrefs and we both put stuff in there and they are completely different. So these tools are trying to gather as much information and evidence from Google as they can and they're reasonably accurate to a degree, but they're not the be-all and end-all. So you can use them as a bit of a guide. Um, but as an example, my site is quite a low domain authority because, you know, I haven't been running it for that long. And yeah, I'm on page one and two for lots of different quite difficult keywords. I'm on page one for a keyword that's got keyword difficulty in HRS of 58, which is hard. They recommend with new sites to be looking at keyword difficulties below 20. Yeah, on Hrefs, um, and I'm on page one, not even page one. Um, I'm I'm literally up there in positions one, two, and three on a daily basis for a keyword difficulty of fifty-eight. So, 
provided your content is going to be super quality and you are going to, um, you know, give give more valuable resources than the people on page one and really go for that, really focus on, on quality con- quality of content. And we're going to be talking about that in a, in a forthcoming podcast. Then you are going to be able to start ranking despite what these tools tell us. But they are a bit of a guide. So when you put your key phrase into Uber Suggestions, have a little look at the volume and the keyword difficulty. And if your key phrase is showing, let's say it gets about 200 searches a month on Google and it's got a keyword difficulty of 70, then that's going to be a real challenge. You know, that's going to be very, very difficult. And is it worth the effort for a search volume of only 200? Yeah. But if it's got a search volume of, say, 2000 and a keyword difficulty of 20, then now you're, you've just got that kind of positive reinforcement that this is something that you could go for. It's got a decent volume, search volume, and, you know, it's got a fairly low keyword difficulty. So the chances are with some effort, you could potentially rank for those key phrases, all right? So I'm really scratching the surface with this. Keyword research goes into uh, much more in depth and I will be including some posts about it on my blog to try and make it as easy as possible. Plus, I've got a couple of forthcoming episodes um, about it if I can explain it in voice only. We'll see. I'll try recording one and if it doesn't come out right, (laughs) I'll just do a video on it instead of a podcast. Anyway, um... So when I typed in the key phrase Asian cooking, for instance, into Ubersuggest, the volume wasn't groundbreaking. It's like 1,900 a month for Asian cooking. But, you know, it's a decent volume. That's going to get us traffic. It's going to get people coming to our site. and We can totally monetize that site if we use the right keywords. And the SEO difficulty was 22, which according to Ubersuggest is easy. So that means that there is the high potential that if my friend started a blog all around Asian cooking and they were using that word Asian cooking in a lot of their posts, then they have a high chance of ranking. All right, for those words, Asian cooking. Now, if you look at things like Asian cooking book, for example, the volume's lower at 590 and the keyword difficulty is now at 44, which is no longer easy. That's kind of medium. You know, the, it's it's the, the keyword difficulty on Uber suggests is between zero and 100. The closer to zero, the easiest, the closer to 100, the harder it is to be able to rank. Um, so Asian cooking book, Asian cooking utensils, they're slightly harder to rank. But the, the overall key phrase of Asian cooking that is um, the higher volume and reasonably easy to rank. So go and take your um, key phrase and push it through Ubersuggest just to give you an idea. Yeah, it just will um, just give you a rough overview of the kind of volume and how easy or difficult it will be to rank for those keywords. So I was super happy with that. I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's good. Let's let's go with Asian cooking. That sounds good, a good idea. And then the other thing you'll find on Ubersuggest, when you scroll down, is it also gives you a section called content ideas. And the content ideas show different page titles from other blogs in the same niche. And it shows you the social shares. So I can see here that there's slow cooker Asian chicken lettuce wraps that have been shared on Pinterest 20,775 times. 20,775 shares. Um, 
Then there's an article all about Cambodia and Asian cooking. That's been shared 14,500 times on Facebook. We've got one on how to use fish sauce, shared 4,244 times on Facebook. Asian dumplings, shared 2,700 times on Pinterest. Asian chicken pizza, 2,400 times. On. So I can see from here that this topic is also quite popular on social media. So as I am looking to increase my traffic from Google and from social, this sounds like a pretty darn good niche to me. I'm feeling happy about this niche. <laughs> Um, so I'm happy that I'm going to get a decent amount of views from Google. I'm happy that it's obviously a very shareable topic on social media. And I'm happy that my friend wants to monetize by offering cookbooks and potential, you know, affiliate marketing and all of that kind of stuff. So this is a perfect example of a passion coupled with a money making idea. Um, and if you think about it as well, the niche that they're in, the overall cooking niche is huge. So they have the potential for a lot more traffic. What they're doing is they're niching down first to specify in Asian cooking. And you imagine how they could grow that. Asian cooking for beginners, Asian cooking for weight loss, um, cooking Asian recipes for the busy mum, whatever target market they choose, they can start to grow this into a much bigger market um, because they have got a sub niche within a huge niche. So the potential for traffic for these guys is absolutely huge. So I'm really, really happy with what they've chosen and I'm very excited for them to get it off the ground. So that is the step you want to take with your topic. Go and grab your key phrase, put it into the Google Keyword Planner, put it into the Google Trends, put it in Uber Suggest. And one other thing that I would potentially do is I would go onto Facebook and research groups. Go and see if there are some big Facebook groups that cover your topic because if there are, that is such a great indication that there's a ready-made waiting audience for your information. All right. Okie dokie. So once we have done that, the next thing we want to do is we want to pick a name. Now, you may already have a name in mind and that's fine. But if you do not have a name in mind, my favorite tool for this is a name generator called Namelix. N-A-M-E-L-I-X dot com. N-A-M-E-L-I-X dot com. So what you do is you go to namelix.com and you type in your key phrase. So I'm typing in Asian cooking and then you click on generate. Okay. And you'll see a little box pops up and it gives you a couple of choices. You can choose your name length and you can choose your name style. So your name length, it gives you short names, which are three to six letters, medium names, which are six to 12 letters and long names, which are 12 plus letters. So I really advise going for short or medium and then go over to name style and I won't read all of these out go to namelix.com and see it for yourself but you can choose brandable names like google foreign words like toyota misspellings like lyft compound words like fedex or instagram do you know what I mean so you can kind of choose oh what is the kind of name that I would really really like um my brand my blog to be called and then just click generate and then what it does is it brings up lots and lots of options so I typed in medium names um, and then brandable names and I've got things like Maijin and Gassian and Cook Clean and D Cookino, Sushini, um, Cool Asian, Pangero, um, I'm just looking for any Cooking Asian, 
Asiani, Cute Cuisine, Pro-Asian. So it gives you all these different ideas that you can kind of go through and have a look and see if any appeal to you. And there's one on here that I just love the sound of. And it's actually called Wokino. Dot com. I love it. I just think that sounds so good. Wokino.com. So um, anyway, go and have a look at namelix.com. It's going to give you lots and lots of different ideas if you're not sure what you want to call your blog or anything yet. Um, just some tips on naming before you kind of go rushing off. What is your What does your name mean? What's your name going to be? Um, I'm pretty sure the audience I'm talking to knows exactly what I'm talking to, but if you don't, that's okay. Um, and I'm going to tell you a quick story about me in a second. But your name of your business or your blog is going to be your domain name. So in other words, your space on the web. So my blog name, my business name is Your Lifestyle Business. My domain name is yourlifestylebusiness.com. So if you go to uh, Google and you type in yourlifestylebusiness.com, it's going to come up with my website. Okay. So that's what your name is. It's your space on the web. It's your URL. And your URL is your address. That's your actual address that people type into a browser and it pops up with your website. And fun fact, when I started this business back in 2010, I didn't actually understand entirely what a URL was. I thought that all website addresses started with www. Right. And I could not figure out I was trying to do something technical. This was back in the day before um, things were so easy. <laughs> this is when you had to get a degree in coding just to put up a landing page. Um, but anyway, I did. I, I didn't realize there was an HTTP colon forward slash forward slash that kind of starts the web address right I thought it started with www and I remember going into the warrior forum which was a forum online and a guy I got really roasted by this guy who basically told me I was never going to make it in the business if I didn't even know what a url was and what that meant then clearly I was not made for this business so 30 odd countries and multiple seven figures later, I just want to tell you that if you're sitting there scratching your head, not entirely sure what all this is, that's absolutely fine. Because if I can do it, you can do it. All right. <laughs> I hope that has encouraged you. Um, and uh, that's just that's only one of my ridiculously silly stories from my time in this business. Um, and just remember, there's no such thing as a stupid question. And if somebody comes back and roasts you for a stupid question, then they're the idiot because you don't know what you don't know yet. It's as simple as that. So always, always ask. All right. And feel free to come along to our group, Your Lifestyle Business. Just just uh, look for it on Facebook, Your Lifestyle Business. Come and find. And there are no stupid questions in my group. Um, but when you're thinking about your name, don't get too caught up. So for me, yourlifestylebusiness.com, that's actually a bit long. Um, I mean, it's my brand now. I'm not going to change it, but it's a bit long. It would have been nice to go with something a little bit shorter and a little bit more memorable. But I kind of got a beer in my bonnet that I wanted to, to sort of do what it say, what it did on the tin, you know. But if you think of some of the biggest brands, think of Apple, think of Google, um, you know, Apple, that does not say super simple, fabulously beautiful computers and iPhones, does it? Um, it says Apple. <laughs> Think of Virgin. That doesn't say aeroplanes and music and everything else that they did. It's, you know, it's just a random, memorable name. And remember that whatever name you choose, your brand will grow into it. 
Yeah, so your your name will become synonymous with your brand because your brand will grow into that name and it will become you. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. So I don't think too much here. I think really a rule of thumb would be the shorter and the easier to remember, the better, really. Um, so, yeah, so go on to namelix.com and have a look there. But also the thing we need to do next, because as I've just explained, your name is going to be your domain, is we have to actually go and make sure that that name is an available domain name. Your domain name is your URL address. Yourlifestylebusiness.com is my domain name, my domain on the web. Yeah. Um, so a good tool to go and do this is a tool called cunningbot.com. Cunningbot.com. Um, and then what you can do here is you can put in your key phrase again at the top of Cunningbot and you can have a look and see what pops up. So it's kind of a name finder stroke also showing you what's available. Um, so I put in Asian cooking into cunningbot.com and it came up with asiadishes.com was something I quite liked, which actually got my mind thinking and I reversed it and I typed in dishesfromasia.com and that came up as uh, an available name as well, dishesfromasia.com. So I quite like that as a URL. Um, so yeah, and there's lots of other tools as well, by the way, uh, you can go and have a look at, there's a tool literally called Business Name Generator, Oberlo has a business name generator, Shopify has a business name generator. So you can kind of go and have a look at all these different places and get some ideas for names for your website, all right? Okie dokie, so once you have a name that you are inspired by, that you think is really good, then you do need to go and you need to purchase that name on a domain service. Now, I've always used godaddy.com, you can use whatever domain service you like, I just happen to have always used that. Once you kind of set up with one, you tend to stick with it, um, rather than have domains in all different places, and I've bought lots of domains over the years. You may only intend to buy one, and that's it, and good for you if that's the case, but I have a ridiculous amount of business ideas. So I've always used godaddy.com. I find them, they're probably one of the biggest, and therefore, they integrate with the most services. Yep. So if you're going to set up an e-commerce store on Shopify, GoDaddy, it's like one click transfer to suddenly have your Shopify store with your right domain name. Um, uh, WordPress, super easy. They just, tr they just integrate very, very well with most services. So GoDaddy.com is a good one. But there's also na Namecheap.com, Domain.com, Google Domains, Dynadot. I mean, just go and Google domain providers. There's loads of them. They're all much of a muchness, but there might be a price difference. So, you know, if you are watching the pennies and you're on a budget, which you probably are, um, as you're getting your business off the ground, then it might pay to shop around and just make sure you get the best deal. Okay. Um, but that's basically what you need to do next. You need to go and purchase your domain name. So once you've got that, woohoo, congratulations. That's your domain on the web. That's it. Nobody else can ever, ever take that from you. That's it. <laughs> you have your URL, you have your address. Um, all right, so this is running over a bit, but I don't want to leave hosting to the next one. I'm going to quickly talk about hosting um, because I think it's really important that if you want, are wanting to follow this process, if you're following along these podcasts and you're building your website, you really don't want to buy your domain name and then be left hanging now until sort of next week. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes quickly talking about hosting because I've been doing a lot of research on this over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
mainly because in the future, as I write my posts, etc., I'm going to be affiliate marketing for hosting companies. I'm not as yet, so everything I'm telling you on this podcast is completely unbiased, um, as it would be anyway, even if I was affiliating. But the reason I was researching it is because every every man and his dog affiliates for Bluehost, and they do play very good commissions. So I wanted to research and see, well, are Bluehost actually the best? Um, and Here's why I want to talk about it on this podcast, because before you shoot off and buy your domain from a domain provider, if you decide to go to Bluehost, then you can purchase your domain directly from Bluehost. So here are the benefits of Bluehost if you want to use Bluehost. Number one, they are super cheap. They're about three bucks a month. You have to buy a package up front. So you have to pay like a year or two years up front. But you're talking three bucks a month. So you're talking 50 to 100 bucks and bang, you've got like two years worth of hosting. So they're definitely priced for beginners. Number two, you can buy your domain name directly with them. So you don't have to do any of the DNS transferring or anything like that, which is not difficult to be fair. It's really not difficult to transfer your domain. Um, But, you know to save any extra steps, Bluehost, you can just get your domain directly with them and bang, it's all set up for you. Yeah, so um, that's a benefit. Number three, the WordPress install is literally a one-click install. They are recommended as the recommended host by WordPress. So WordPress actually recommend Bluehost as their hosting, their preferred hosting company. Um, So they are really set up for beginners and for WordPress users. So if your goal is to create a WordPress website and you're new to the game, then Bluehost are 100% set up to make it as easy and as smooth as possible for you. So that's why you may want to use Bluehost. However, they're not the only option out there. There are lots and lots of other hosting options. Another cheap hosting option on the market is HostGator, who happen to be owned by the same company that own Bluehost. But obviously what they've done is they've put their efforts into making Bluehost the WordPress host, you know, the the host for WordPress. But HostGator probably does just as good a job as Bluehost. Um, Now, for me, I use WP Engine. Now, I use WP Engine because I actually had my website on a site called, on a host called Liquid Web for years. And Liquid Web, when I first went with them, were amazing. They were absolutely top draw. Their customer service was through the roof. But I used Liquid Web because I had multiple domains. I had my blog. I had my membership site. I had e-commerce stores. I had different... um, course sites. This was days before Thinkific and Teachable and stuff like that, where you can put like 65 courses all on one site. So I had multiple domains with multiple um, sites, WordPress installations and things like that on them. So I needed sort of a dedicated hosting provider for for my sort of huge empire of of domain space, (laughs) of web space. Um, So I went with Liquid Web. They will not the cheapest. And over the last few years, their customer service has become appalling. In fact, I've still got some of my 
domains with them and I just want to cancel and get off them as soon as I can unfortunately I've signed up to a contract so I've got to wait but are oh, they just I just find them horrific to deal with now so I don't recommend liquid web and if anybody's listening from liquid web I'm really sorry I have spoken to your support team so many times and you just don't help yourself um, so what I did is because my site got hacked and liquid web could not help me unhack my site and I literally rebuilt my site from the beginning from from the you know step one after speaking to them for weeks without any help I rebuilt my site and it got hacked straight away again, which meant the hackers were on the server. I just moved my site over to another hosting platform who said they could help me unhack, de-hack, whatever the word is, my site. And that happened to be WP Engine. So now when I moved my, sorry, this is going on a bit, but I'm getting there. When I moved to WP Engine, they were brilliant. Their customer service was absolutely top drawer. They completely dewormed my site or whatever they have to do to it to get rid of all of the um, the hacking stuff. And so my site started working brilliantly and my load times dropped by half. So they were definitely a lot faster than Liquid Web. And that is important. If you're going to rank on Google, speed is super important. I mean, super important. Okay, it's a massive ranking factor on Google, the speed of your website, and it needs to be taken into account when you commit to a hosting company. If that's going to be your goal to grow your organic traffic, grow your reach, rank your posts, then you have to take speed into account from day one. So I was super happy that WP Engine had dropped my load times by half. And since then, I've actually been playing with different plugins and I've managed to drop my load time even further. And I'm really happy. I'm, it's not 100% there yet, but it's much better. But we're going to get into that on another podcast. I'm going to talk about plugins and all that kind of stuff on another podcast. However, before you go running off to sign up to either Bluehost or WP Engine, I want you to go and read a post that I read recently by a guy called Matthew Woodward. I went out looking for some study of speed of, of um, hosting speeds, right? But the problem you've got online, of course, is that everybody's doing what I'm teaching you to do, which is building a blog where they want to generate traffic and affiliate income. So, of course, every site you read says the top 10 best website hosting, the top 10 best website hosting, the top 15, and it's all links and everything, and it's who pays the biggest affiliate commission on some of them. So, I wanted something that had been created that was really good you know that wasn't just about affiliate income but that was a fair and well thought out and research study on the fastest hosting providers and I came across this study by Matthew Woodward.co.uk. Uh, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. And he did a study testing the 12 fastest WordPress hosting providers. And what he actually did, which I thought was so clever, is he built identical websites and put them on all the different hosting sites. So we did, this is a massive study, as in he actually um, built all these websites and put them on the different hosting platforms and then tested the different hosting platforms by all sorts of different features, right? Now, he has said, hey, look, I happen to use Kinsta. That's the one he uses. Full disclosure, this is the one I use. But I want to give a really fair um, study of who is the fastest. So he did all of these different studies and basically what he came out with, it's so interesting, is there is a um, 
hosting solution called WPX Hosting and they just came out on top. It was WPX Hosting and something called Pantheon and something called Kinsta. I've never even heard of these guys. I mean, that's the crazy thing. But apparently they are the fastest. Um, and I'm just looking through his um, posts now. WP Engine claims they're 40% faster than everybody else in WordPress, but they are not, according to his study. So I've gone with WP Engine because that's one of their claims, that they are super, super fast, and because I read lots of different blog posts, um, you know, all about how WP Engine are awesome, and so I went with them, and they certainly have not done me a disservice. They're a good service, but they're not cheap. The, the downsides to WP Engine are it's one domain. You've got one site with their package right and you can't get email I've had to do my email through G Suite which is a real pain yeah I've got I'm paying an extra eight bucks a month now for email plus their hosting and I've just found out that when I hit 25,000 hits on my site which is not in the too distant future because I've gone from 1,000 to 11,000 in the last four months so we're only looking at a few months in the future um once I hit 25, my monthly cost is going to significantly increase. So I'm not going to deny that I'm actually having a little look at this speed test that Matthew did. And I'm going to start seriously looking at WPX hosting. Now, again, these are not cheap. It's going to cost, he said here, it's going to cost around 250 bucks a year with WPX hosting. So they're not the cheapest on the market. But if that then allows me unlimited views... Um, so it's not going to go up as I get to 50,000 and 100,000 views a month. Um, and if it's um, fast and I'm going to, you know, get a really, really speedy hosting company, then to me, it's worth it. So you've got something to think about there. I urge you not to just go into hosting blindly. Um, not to just trust everything you read on the internet because a lot of them are affiliate links. I'm going to link to this study. I think it's probably the most honest and well thought out and tested study I have seen on the internet. If I find anything else that backs it up, I will 100% let you know. Um, but I am certainly now considering WPX hosting. Um, the other ones that he recommends, though, are also Pantheon. He also recommends Kinsta. Um, and, uh, you know, this is just down to, he looks at things like their support and their control panel usage and... Um, so, you know, VPS hosting and all sorts of other things. So if you're interested, he gives you the best and the worst of each site, which I think is really good. It's such a balanced review. All right. So go and check this out. Uh, I'll put the link. It's actually uh, matthewwoodward.co.uk forward slash blogging forward slash fastest hash WordPress hash hosting. But I will put the link in the show notes. If you literally just go to Google and type in Matthew Woodward, um, w o d w a r d hosting survey, Matthew Woodward hosting survey, it will pop up. But I'll also put the link in the show notes. So quick recap before we go. Sorry, I know it's overrun, but quick recap. So number one, you need to choose your money making model. Go back to episode 78. Listen to that. Make sure that you know, even if it's going to change, just get a vision in your head of how you're going to monetize it initially. So I know initially I'm going to monetize mine through affiliate links. Then I'm going to add some physical products. Then I'm going to add some digital products. Then I'm going to sell my books. Then I'm going to do retreats and coaching and all that kind of stuff. All right. So 
just get an initial vision of how you're going to monetize your blog. This really helps you as you get set up and start to get moving. Then number two, choose your niche, choose your topic. If you don't know what you want to do yet, go back to episode 77. Have a listen to that episode all about choosing your niche. Um, but then decide whether you're really going to kind of go for the money making angle or the passion angle or a bit of both, which is my favorite um, combination. Then step number three, research your topic. Is there definitely an audience out there? Go and look in your Google Trends, Uber Suggest, FB Groups, Google Planner. Check those numbers. Make sure that you're going to be able to rank and that there's plenty of search volume for people to come and find you. Then number four, go and pick a name. Go and decide your name um, and make sure that it's available as a domain name, i.e. .com. Um, that's a whole nother subject. Don't worry too much. If .com is not available, a lot of people now use .net or .io, I don't think it's as important as it once was. Got to be honest, I always do uh, still on the side of .com because I'm a little bit um, cautious like that. But if you're a bit more of a risk taker, throw caution to the wind, .io, .net. These are working these days. .io tends to be more associated with software. But you know what? If, if it's a name you absolutely must have that and .com isn't available, go and have a look and see what's at the end of the .com because if it's something very similar to you, you don't want to get it .net or .io because people will mistake you for that. But if you're in the pet niche and at the other end of the name is a real estate firm, well, then you can't be mistaken, right? So .net, .io, .whatever. Um, .com is the preferred though just want to end on that so uh, pick a name go and make sure that it's available on a domain service and then number five is choose your hosting package do not let this hold you up go and have a quick look do some research set a time limit of two to three hours and say by the end of this two to three hours I'm going to have decided on my hosting company and I'm going to make it happen bang because otherwise you'll be researching for weeks and there's no perfect answer. Many of these hosting companies are much of a muchness. And these days there are plugins that can really help speed up your site as well. So as long as it's not a complete disaster of a hosting company, I mean, WP Engine on his benchmark came close to the end and yet my loading times are super fast all right so um, as long as it's not a complete disaster you're going to be all right so set a time limit research hosting and then decide which hosting company you're going to go with and then pull the plug my friend get that domain name register for your hosting company set up your wordpress i'm not going to go through the detailed steps on a podcast of how to set up wordpress because it would be a nightmare trying to describe it to you um, most of these hosting companies have one click wordpress install so just follow the instructions per hosting company um, but coming out very soon as i record this it's not ready but coming out very soon is going to be a blog post to accompany this podcast and on there is going to be a step-by-step -step guide to setting up WordPress so it is coming in the meantime just google it because many many a person has covered this particular topic all right and then get ready for a ride because we are going to be talking about your essential pages your essential plugins next and then we're going to be talking about content and how to start growing your money-making blog so I hope that today has been super useful for you thank you so much for listening I know it's a lot to take in um, but those are the key five steps just go and get those and then you know you're rocking and rolling my friend all right thanks very much for listening have an amazing week whatever you're doing and I will speak to you again next week
Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To join in the conversation, please head over to yourlifestylebusiness.com where you can find links to podcasts, show notes, and sign up to download my free ebook, How to Build a Business You Can Run from Anywhere in the World. Also, make sure you come and join our Facebook community. Just search for Your Lifestyle Business on Facebook and you'll soon be sharing ideas with like-minded entrepreneurs all on the same journey. Lastly, if you have a moment, please subscribe and quickly rate this podcast on iTunes. It takes a tenth of a second to hit the little stars and your rating will ensure it gets out to more people and impacts as many as possible with the message, make it happen. Thank you so much. See you next time.